to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N, Tulsa.org. We are going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 13 as we looked at chapter 12 last week. Um, we're going into a series of 10 or 11 weeks of the parables of Jesus. And so, um, and the whole hope in this is this idea of us realizing that we are desperate for Jesus. So if that's a lost person and you're here, if that's a lost person that's listening and hearing these, just to, to realize and come to that point, to realize that that's what he's trying to get everyone to see. Um, if you're a saved person and you, you feel like you understand the points of the gospel and you, you've been saved and baptized, that, that you would also have a softened heart to, to recognize today, uh, saved you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, five years ago, today is my heart desperate for Jesus today. Um, if you're a person that's kind of confused, so we're, we're going to hit on this today in this specific parable, um, that the Bible Belt has millions of people that think they have a relationship with God, and they actually don't. Um, they, they understand the idea of there is a God. Satan knows there's a God. Satan has interacted with God much more than you and I probably have. And, and Satan understands it, but yet he is separated from God still. And so um, the idea that I know there's a God doesn't necessarily save you. The idea that you understand that a guy named Jesus was a carpenter and then worked miracles and died on the cross, if you understand those points, there's a lot of people who say that they understand that and they're not, they're not saved. That's what we're surrounded by in, in the Bible Belt. And so as we, we go into this Matthew 13, this is the parable that, that unlocks all other parables. And that's why Jesus started with this parable. Um, so this idea that he's getting out there and that, that song we just sang there, um, do you feel the world is broken? So all the Old Testament, 400 years of silence. And then here is this meek, humble carpenter from Nazareth. Nothing special Isaiah tells us about his looks or something attractive about him. Nothing about him that we would go, man, what an incredible 6'6", strong, powerful, um, bold, proud leader that we could all get behind. Nothing like that. Instead, God shocks us and he comes. And so all that crowd and all of us would say, yes, we do. Can you see the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. And then it gets to that, that course, is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole that could fix this? And here's this guy standing before these crowds. And they, they're not so much wanting to love him and exalt him. They're wanting to be entertained. They're wanting to see more miracles. They're wanting to hear some cool stories. They're wanting to see him do some neat tricks. Because in John's gospel, it says at the end, Jesus knew that the crowds were gathering, but Jesus didn't give himself to them because he knew their hearts. So he, it's easy to grow a crowd. Sadly, in America, and I'm going to hit this in a few minutes, uh, Dr. Moeller, uh, my, the president of the seminary I went to, said, it's easy to grow a crowd in America it's extremely hard to grow a true church. And so I think some of us would agree with that. 
that, that it's, it's, you can grow crowds. You can do all kinds of things to grow crowds. And Jesus, he didn't fall for that. In fact, the parables were actually a slap in the face confronting that. What are you here for? Are you hearing? Are you understanding? You're coming for the wrong things. And so, um, beautiful. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? Quoting from Revelation, the Lion of Judah. And here he is standing as a humble prophet, peaceful, loving, just, just want to care for people. But he could be this powerful Lion of Judah, but, but instead God said, no, no, these people, they're broken. They need love. They need to see the love of God, the peace of God. And that's the Jesus that is offering these parables to us. He's David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. They had no idea who they were listening to. And so um, this week we're going to be looking at that. Again, I want to bring out just a couple of things that we, we looked at last week as far as, as we're interpreting parables. Um, this idea that, um, uh, first of all, a parable, God uses it, the Spirit uses this parable or these words of God like a seed. So you may hear it now, and you may be driving down the road in, in, in two weeks or two months, or you may be in a, in a Walmart shopping lane waiting to check out and frustrated with the lady ahead of you who's got her coupons, or you may be um, you know, dealing with some situations with your kids or neighbors or family members, and all of a sudden, it's like this little seed that bursts, and God just kind of and it pops up, and, and, and God brings you this moment of understanding it at a deeper level. That's how the parables work. And notice this. I'll hit on this in a couple of weeks or next couple of weeks. Um, I, this is a side, a side note. When Jesus taught these things, I want you to see today's parable, he didn't go and explain everything to them. So um, there, there's, some, there's some good understanding about the Holy Spirit in that, that not everyone just got it. He didn't go into deep understand, uh, deep explanation except with the disciples. So he just told this parable, and he told these other parables, and then just left them. Now, why would he do that? Did, did he not want people to understand it better? He had a complete understanding of God's sovereignty in that. He had a complete understanding of man's responsibility in that. He, he would say these words and leave it and just let it sit. Why didn't he have to keep going and keep going and keep going? Let me use another illustration. Let me use another illustration. Let me use it because you're not getting it. No, there was a trust there. And there's also an understanding that if you, if you hate me and you love sin, you're, you're not going to surrender to this anyway. And so I've offered it out there, but are you understanding it? And so um, that, that's how parables work. Um, another thing about those interpretation of parables, um, one, remember it's this, that there's one main point for each parable. It's not a hundred people can read it or listen to the parable and then go, hey, this means something different for all of us. Remember, that's not the point. Uh, it, it, there's one main point in it that he's bringing out. Um, it, there's different levels of um, significance for each person. So a person who hears this and goes, man, I am just broken in humility and thankfulness and gratefulness to God because of what he's done with my life. I'm rejoicing. These last few months have been, just been the spiritual high. I'm appreciating. So that's where they walk away with, with, with the fourth part of this parable, that here are these ones who believe. They have a softened heart. There's other people that are sitting there in the middle going, man, to be honest, I don't know where my heart's at with Christ. See the different significance? One main point the seed in the soil, but you better be considering the seed, the gospel in your life, and the soil, your, your heart. And you know, to be, to be honest, now we've got a lot of secrets and a lot of sin. And 
I'm afraid maybe my heart has become a little hardened. So different significance for that person. And then a person who's standing here going, man, I think this is all just ridiculous. Uh, you know, maybe kids going, I, I think my parents, they force this on us, or, or I, I don't like this, or I've been hurt by the church, and so I'm just hardened. So different significance, but one main point. So there's one main point with each parable. Also, you don't want to go in and allegorize the different little elements of the parable. Um, remember, I talked about how the, um, the school of thought was the allegorical method of uh, hermeneutics and interpretation from Augustine and Origen in the 200s all the way up to about the Reformation. So from 200 to 1500, allegory was how they read the Bible. Um, and so everything was allegorical. And so then the, we come back to the literal interpretation interpretation, and then that understands, hey, in this, the literal story, narrative, is that Jesus is telling the story. Now he goes into a parable that we interpret um, the, the, the main point of it, and we don't take that parable and take it literally. And so we've got to understand that. And uh, you also don't want to mix different points from parables. So for instance, this week, the seed is going to be the Word of God. It's the gospel. Because the Word of God is not just the Old Testament. It's the Word of God pointing us to the gospel eventually. So the seed's the Word of God. The next parable we'll get to is going to be the seed. I think it's the, it's the seed is the sons of men. God has planted believers, true believers in the world. And so it's the, the parable of the, the tares. So you can't go, oh, so is the seed the word of God? Oh, no, I must have misunderstood that, or God's mixed up, or the Bible's not consistent because in the next parable, the seed is the son of man. So God, there must we can't trust God's word. There's errors in it. No, it, again, it was a parable. Don't interpret it as a literal situation. Jesus was using it to tell a little story. So in this one, he goes, the, the, the seed are, are you believers? And this first one, he says, the seed is the word of God. So you can't cross-germinate uh, those, those different interpretations. So um, we've got to be careful with the way we interpret that. So the main point today, I'm going to bring it out. I hate doing this. Um, you guys know I'm a circular thinker, circular uh, talker. And so you, you, you build and build and build and build and build. And then you come to the, the main point, And I would say Jesus does this a lot. Um, but uh, Jesus and Paul, their arguments sometimes do that. They build and build and build. And then, if the, then you get to this center point afterwards. So I hate giving away the center point at the beginning. So I'll do that for your sake. Um, the main point is the seed and the soil. What you should be walking away with, thinking later, you don't have to think all the details, all these things like he said, but thinking through parable one, Jesus to this crowd and to everyone that would hear afterwards, what's the seed doing in my life? And what's the soil of my heart? What's the seed and soil? So seed and soil. And he, he was fine just walking away. And the disciples go, hey, hey, we don't understand that. And so we'll get in to see all that. So what is the seed doing in your life today? Not, not, not 10 years ago, not a few weeks ago. What's the seed doing in your life today? And then how is the soil your heart today? And the main danger that we're going to see that he brings out through these parables, and I would say applies in these different parables also, is what he was dealing with is their hearts are dull. I w if there is one message that the American church needs to hear, your hearts are dull. And I'm not saying that, so don't, don't feel like I'm picking you guys out. That could be me. That could be you guys. Like, that, that's just because we're so many distractions, so much going on. COVID proves that, hey, 65% of the church who walked out and then never come back is because, you know what? Um, we have a lot of other things. And don't get me wrong. God's number one, but just not practically. God's number one, but I just don't have time because, man, we, we got this and all these other things that are so much more entertaining and so much more immediately gratifying. And so the American church, just the heart has grown dull. And so that may be hitting you also. Um, so that's the main danger we're going to see. A couple of just quick 
beautiful things I just wanted to throw in. This is just side notes. Some beauty from the very heart of God on this. That this aspect of forgiveness. So think through, talking specifically, kingdom of God. Think through this crowd. They had no idea. They, they like the idea of the kingdom of heaven, like the idea of the kingdom of God. And here's Jesus telling this. And what they don't realize is, you're going to be forgiven by me, not, not the, the Jewish system that you're doing. I don't care what you do on Saturdays with, with your goats and your bulls and your birds. You're going to be forgiven by me down on the cross, and you can't even see that. And so forgiveness, it's intangible, right? It's kind of intangible, but once you've experienced it, it's incredibly tangible. And that's what he's showing them. So he, he can't explain that at the time. Um, think of it like this. Got someone who's ticked you off, who's really hurt you and hurt you and hurt you. Why don't you just forgive? Why don't you just forgive? Why don't you just forgive? Man, forgiveness is intangible. It's very tangible once you have to give it away, isn't it? Very tangible. You can feel it. It weighs on you more than your daily grind, more than the things you've got to do this week. You can feel it. It's tangible. And here's Jesus going, I'm offering peace and forgiveness to, to play that down, to bring peace, and to love instead. What a beautiful thing from the very heart of God. But that's his idea, you know. And then also reconciliation. It's intangible, but extremely tangible. Well, when God brings reconciliation, it's extremely tangible. So just a couple things. And, and again, that's just, that's just God going, that's who I am. I, I'm giving you parts of me. Didn't have to, but I'm giving you those things from the very heart of God if you will hear this. And so some beautiful things. So let's read through Matthew 13. We're going to do 1 through 23. It's, it's a very simple setup. Um, it's just the, the first part's just Jesus saying the parable. The second part is uh, um, the questions from the disciple um, about the, the mystery. Why are you speaking this way? And Jesus explains why he spoke in mystery. And then the third part is Jesus just explaining the parable. So he gives his own commentary. So let's read 13, 1 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. Now, if, just so you'll know, teachers and prophets in that day, um, it was very common for them, instead of standing behind a podium and the crowd sitting, most of the time, the teachers would sit down, and that was a, that was a, a position of honor and of understanding for the crowd that the prophets and teachers would a, actually sit and people would stand. Now, it's not that you couldn't sit down also, but the, the teachers in their day, they took a seat, and sometimes it was long, long lessons. And so... Um, and he told them many things in parables. So there's Matthew's summary saying, the first one, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some, feet, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell along rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell along among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, so some, some time passes, so, so just notice that. He drops this simple thing, four different levels, and it says, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, he probably went into those other parables, and now, now Matthew's doing side commentary. And then later on, the disciples pull him away so that he's not in front of the crowds anymore. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, 
to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and they didn't see it. To hear what you hear, and did not hear it. So he's saying there, all the prophets and all the Old Testament Israel, any God fears, they long to see and hear what? It was me. And they didn't even realize it. Hear the gospel, hear, hear what he was teaching there. So then he goes in to explain the parable. He then, uh, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures for a little while, and then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, and immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So, Father, we completely entrust our own hearts to you. Spirit, we ask for you to come and do the work with each one of us. If there's people here that are far from you in sin and not repenting, if there's people in here that are um, far from you in self-righteousness and not repenting, we pray that the Spirit would do work with us. We entrust our souls to you. We ask for you to give us ears to hear. We want to be better listeners to your spirit and your word. We pray that you would guide us because we, we know that you're this loving, gracious God and we need and are desperate for you. In your name we pray, amen. So again, the first little parable breakdown is extremely simple. Just going through it real quickly. Um, I'm okay with not going too deep into it at this point because Jesus said it and then just let it let it sit. Um, there's a whole lot of thinking on that, but... Um, Seeds were sown on the hard path. The second one is seeds sown on rocky ground. The third one is just seeds sown among thorns. And then seeds sown, uh, sown among good soil. Um, and then he says that powerful ending, he who has ears, let him hear. Um, and, and the same parable is in Luke 8, and I think it's is it, uh, Mark. But, um, but in Luke 8, Jesus says this, take heed how you hear. Be careful is the word for taking. Be careful. I know you're sitting in a crowd hearing the words go out, but are you taking it in? And we've talked about here, I try to say this in other places, I've noticed sometimes we could just be saying something and people get offended 
instead of convicted. People, people take it and get offended instead of convicted by it. We've got to think through that. Um, are we being careful on how we listen? So let's go into these four soils that, that, that he speaks about. Um, or let's, let's go into the, the mystery of the parables as he's speaking to these four soils. Um, I think it's in, incredibly important in the Bible Belt for us to think through that. Um, so the mystery of the parables, when Jesus goes into this, he, he, his disciples call him aside, and then they say, why are you speaking to them in parables? And remember what I said, this is at the end of the second year of his ministry. So he's got one year left, and then the cross is coming. No one knew that was coming except him. And then he's also speaking to them from that point on, mainly in parables. Anytime it was a public discourse, he spoke in parables. And then he would have private time with the disciples. And there were some times where um, there was a, a few other people that were around, um, but, but when he was speaking publicly, he was speaking in parables. So he says, to you it has been given to know the secrets and the mysteries. Um, so, so two things that, we, that Jesus clearly wants us to understand there is this idea that um, part of his reason in teaching solely in, par- in parables from this point on was it is a mystery of God. There's a mystery in the salvation of God. It's a deep mystery. Uh, there are people who hear but remain in unbelief and remain in darkness. He says they see and hear this message of the kingdom, but they don't care, or they don't get it, or they don't, or, or that they reject it. And he's very clear here on the sovereignty of God. To you, it's been given to understand it. At the same time, we can't just say, well, God's just sovereign, and God doesn't have little robots where it's just a button that he pushes, because he, he wants you to truly love him because of what you've understood about his love and what he sacrificed for you. So it's not a robot where he just pushes a button. Every single thing, and this may be hard, depending if you come from really, really staunch, and some of you may even uh, misunderstand this in Reformed theology, there is never a person, if this is the line of salvation, there's never a person who God's been wooing. It, you could have been living wildly. You could have been living a really good, moral, upright life. There's never a person that will end up going to heaven because God forced them over the slide, and they never chose him. So if you have a hard time with the word choose or, or man's free will, you've you got to understand. So um, um, irresistible grace means I was being wooed and drawn and wooed and drawn. The sovereignty of God let all these situations, circumstances, all this stuff, every single person goes, I, I want that. I want that salvation. I receive that. You have to respond. Don't get so deep into Reformed theology that you think that God just pushes you and you, you didn't even want to, and now you're in heaven like, oh, this is great. I never even loved him anyway. You know, I, I didn't choose it. No, that's, that's the beauty of irresistible grace. That's the one in, in Tulip that amazes me, that I'm just like, how do you do that? How do you do that? that? Do you see how beautiful that is? That he makes himself so appealing and so great that we just go, that's irresistible. I want that. And so you have to respond. And so just, just letting you know there that, that, that there's the sovereignty of God there and, and man's responsibility. Those are not two opposite things that, that God has made mistakes on. Like, oh gosh, some of the Bible says this and some of the Bible. No, they're not opposites that, that work against each other. They're beautiful, beautiful mysteries in the heart of God. So let's look at this mystery that he's got here. First of all, what did Jesus mean when he said it's all about these mysteries and secrets? Well, first of all, the incarnation. So Christmas, we, we, we light up the world. We do all these things. They had no idea that it was going to be Emmanuel, God's son, coming. Because God was so transcendent, and now God goes, I'm going to be imminent and near with you. What was the Old Testament looking forward to? Um, God with us. Our, our God with us in, in a future land, 
um, in a future place where he is, he is our God and we are his people. That's what Old Testament Israel was looking for, the incarnation, beautiful picture. Um, the hint of that is Jesus going, this is going to be the future of heaven for all of you that understand my kingdom. The second thing, there's just the gospel message, uh, the good news. They never saw it coming. Why did God have to send his son? Um, because of the bad news. So gospel means good news. You ain't getting on there. The good news is, I've got to tell you bad news first. You can't earn it. You, you can't make it to me. You can't be good enough. And so they never understood the euangelion, the good news, even you know, Jesus' birth. Um, good news is coming with great joy to all people. And so um, just the incarnation, the gospel message, they didn't understand he was going to be crucified. Um, didn't understand substitutional atonement. That's the third one. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.21, that for our sake, the Father made his holy, perfect, humble, innocent son to become sin for us and took him to the cross and took out everything he could. The full wrath of God just ripped upon him. Substitutional atonement. Substitutional atonement. Because none of you are going to get it. None of you are going to be good enough. Something's got to take on the wrath of God. And the proof that it was fully absorbed in Christ is the resurrection. And they didn't understand it. So mysteries that they were not seeing, that we can rejoice in and sing about and be amazed at. And then the Gentiles coming in. Big problem in Acts, right? Like all those Jews were, didn't realize, like, oh, we're a godly people. Uh, get them out of here. <laughs> yeah, we're a godly people. Don't like them coming. Don't like this. And so all kinds of problems. So the Gentiles, all mystery to God. Uh, mystery uh, not to God. I think he knew. Uh, mystery to us. Mystery to, the, to those people. And so, um, and he says, blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see and did not see it. And hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. So just think through as he's, he's espousing these words to them, the beauty. So Jesus is starting to reveal something beautiful and deep and mysterious and soul-satisfying. So people that would be listening are going, this is what my heart has desired. This kind of justice, this kind of peace. And so justice and peace for them was, hey, somebody's going to come in, the Messiah's going to come and set up kingdom and, and destroy the Romans like we've seen. Finally, we have a leader that comes in and takes over um, the government that's oppressing us, and they're going, hold it, hold it. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's a future justice. Maybe it's a future peace. And he's the one that's going to do that for us. And so they're getting it. They're understanding. Um, these secrets and mysteries about the kingdom of God, it was not understand from the, stood from the Old Testament. Um, um, also, just like I'd start out there, with God's sovereignty, it's a matter of God first giving understanding. To, to you, it's been given. And then he also says, um, it, it's also man's responsibility. Every person must respond and choose by a decision of their own to respond to God's grace. God did not make robots. Uh, there's no, not going to be no, anyone in heaven who did not repent. Does that make sense? <clears throat> um, it also implies sowing. This first parable talks about sowing the seed. And so that's the idea uh, that, that we are to be sowers. If, if you've got the seed, that's why I asked the question. So consider the seed in the soil. Um, if your heart, the soil is in a good place, you probably would care about getting the soil, um, getting the seed to other people right? Um, so that's um, for immediate disciples then, and then for us today. If that is the reality of actual people in that crowd and actual people around us facing actual wrath from 
an actual holy God, then, then what are we doing with the seed? So Jesus is wanting us to consider, if you're a believer, consider that also. There's actual wrath that was taken out on Christ that the people around us, they need to hear about that. They need to hear about the seed of the gospel. So <clears throat> that's the, the, the mystery that he went into there. The last section there is just the parable explained. So Jesus says very clearly there, um, hear then, he just said, for those who have ears, listen up, pay careful attention. And then, hey, why do you teach him parables? And then he goes into, the, let me explain this parable to you. He doesn't do this with every parable. So um, it's pretty specific. So four different hearts. Jesus' intent is for every person to consider the seed of the gospel and the soil of their heart. Um, the first one is the hard soil. Look at that first one he has there. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And in that, in that parable, he talked about the birds coming and, and, and picking up the seed. And so everyone, um, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people believe that as he started telling this parable, that there was probably a sower in, in plain sight. That as he was saying this story, and people are sitting there, you know, listening, looking around, and he starts just using something from a stock image as common as Quick Trip for us, and he just uses a common image. And there, a lot of people believe that there was probably sowers because where he was teaching this at, there was um, fields around that, and they can look back and see, oh, there were all these fields. So people could literally hear him talking about that, and like look over there and see a sower out just spreading the seed. And they also knew that the, the fields in those days they ran very, very, very long, and then there's only a, a you know. 8 to 10 to 12 foot hard path in between them. So you'd have these long, long fields. And then on the outside of that, um, there was the, the place where people walked. And it was a hard path because people walked and walked and walked. So it was very, very common, just everyday life of walking those paths and seeing seed there. Also, you were used to seeing birds come and pick up that seed. So they're sitting there going, oh, that's what he's talking about. So here's the gospel. And it can't get into the soil because it's a hard packed path it's trampled under our feet, and then these birds come. If you guys have ever seen that, if you've been around someone who had food and there were birds, we were on vacation one time in Florida, and oh my God, we, we talk about all the time. If you've been on the beach and those, I forget what kind of birds, I think we even looked up, um, this, is, this is a fun thing, when your wife becomes a little bit of a bird watcher, um, you're just like, oh, this, this is going to be the fun 60s and 70s and 80s, I guess. And so you're like, oh, that's interesting. So I, I guess if your wife becomes a bird watcher, you become a person watching paint dry. And then, I think, actually, a side note, I think that's how paint huffing started. Someone was sitting there watching paint dry, and they said, you know, let's end this quickly. Let's start huffing paint because she's bird watching. So that's a little side note. I don't know if that's actually correct. But if you've been on the beach and people have food and those, those birds are around, um, we were with a family, and so we left the beach, and everyone's still wet, and there was little food trucks up there, and so this kid had uh, some hamburger and some um, french fries, and our boys were over there with them, and they had like three or four kids, and so he made the mistake of throwing one french fry up. 60 birds just come flocking right there. And so he gets scared. And so our boys are laughing and they're running and the whole crowd of people around them, you know, there's 300 people around and this kid gets scared. So he starts running, still holding the French fry and he just starts throwing them thinking the birds will leave me alone. And so these birds are just attacking. And, and I was like, man, that's exactly what people were used to seeing. So that guy sowing that seed, that's exactly the picture there. And so <clears throat> Jesus said, hey, birds are gonna come take that away. Now, what we have to think through there is 
um, the hardness of heart. So it's, it's showing one thing about the hardness of the soil, and it's also, so that, that's a human heart, but also you've got Satan playing into that. So that's why he's saying um, Satan will do anything to come and steal away that. He, he uses doubt. He uses fear. He accuses you. He deceives. Um, he does all these things with shame and guilt to keep you to, to believing this idea that, yeah, I know you're trying hard, but you just failed him and failed him and failed him. Why even try at this Christianity thing? Or, or sometimes in our circles, it's, hey, I know all this knowledge about God, but I don't feel close to God at all. I feel like he's always, always just disappointed, just disgruntled with me. I just can't keep the rules good enough. I can't keep the rules good enough. And God is so distant because I just can't keep it. So God doesn't love me. He's just really frustrated with me. But, you know, he's kind of fair because Jesus died on the cross, so I'm covered, so he has to deal with me. He has to let me in. That's not a picture of God. And so sometimes people walk with that kind of idea. This hardness of heart, um, there's a lot of scriptures that speak to that. I'm not going to go into those. Romans 1, there's Hebrews 13. So different places there. Um, I want to to bring this out also, that in man's natural state of unbelief, um, think how susceptible the people around you are to Satan's attacks. To to Satan coming, you're sharing stuff with them, and then all kinds of things, doubts, um, confusion. all So as you're sharing stuff, just know that the sower, every day he gets up and he knows, I've just got to sow more seed. I've got to sow more seed. It's not, you're you're not measured on how how much is, is produced by you. It's all in God's faithfulness. You're faithful by sowing the seed. Um, and also take note, Jesus is not speaking about uh, or speaking to or about a group of atheists. He's speaking about and speaking to the crowd of people who are religious. He's speaking to those who know a lot of truth and those who know lots of spiritual things. That's who he's speaking to. He's not talking about, hey, so you, know, you guys know liberal Hollywood and seeds being sown. Or no, he's going, hey, listen, listen. I know you guys think that you're on the inside track. Let me tell you this parable about a hardened heart. Hard soil. That's the first one. He who has ears, let him hear. Bible Belt, let him hear. People who think you've got all your theology and all your right stances, are you listening? Are you hearing? That's what he's trying to say. So um, that's that first one. The second one is the shallow soil, the superficial heart. Look at verse 20 there. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So think through that. Is that not where we live? Is that what you've seen in your lifetime? People growing up, people that you went to Falls Creek with, uh, I think I went four different years, and like you, just, everyone would get saved and get saved. They, you know, Thursday night, cry night, and they, they build it up. Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, the music, and everyone, uh, this is altar night. Uh, they've had like little, little kids camps where they, you know, set a big, uh, a big barrel up there. They put some wood in it and some gasoline. They set it on fire and kids are like five and six. And they're like, hey, see that? If you want to come down here and get to go to heaven, raise your hand right now and walk down this aisle or, or you want to burn. You want, you want this? To six-year-olds, that's a little bit manipulative, right? They may not understand at that level those things, but that, that's what we do. And I had 3,000 kids come down. And so, man, that's not about being in love with the guy who died on the cross for you. That's, that's saving my hide. And I, I think fire hurts. It takes me like two seconds with fire, hold my hand over, and I'm like, I'm out, I'm done. I don't want that, definitely. And so if we, if we teach people that just avoidance of something is the goal, that's not a love for Jesus. 
And so he was never trying to just use that fear tactic on that. He, he brought up truth, but he was trying to get people to see, I'm the one who brings that to you. I'm assuming that you would fall in love with me because the reason I did that was because of my love for you. And so just the beauty of that. And notice this person, they receive it with joy. Just like many of the people around us, um, they receive it with joy. So um, I think it's one of the scariest realities living in the Bible Belt with such a syncretistic kind of religious society coming out of the church growth movement um, with an extreme emphasis on pragmatics. So we, we've seen all this measurements of churches on how many butts and seats and how, many, um, how much the budget is and then how much um, that we have as far as baptisms. Numbers, 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 numbers. Very pragmatic sometimes. Notice Jesus' words. They receive the word with joy. So this is the exact opposite the polar opposite than the hardened soil. So you've got the hardened soil over here. Jesus is telling the story, and they're all going, oh, yeah, the fields, the hardened soil, the seed, the, the birds come and take away. Hey, this is the one where it sprouts up real quickly. We've seen some of that. Maybe it's intellectual belief. Maybe it's emotional belief and emotional change. And so everyone sees that, and the person's like, oh, I lived a horrible life, and oh, man, Jesus is going to change my life. And, and sometimes what the, the seed that's sown is, hey, I know you're living a horrible life. Jesus wants to make your life better. Maybe. You may get hit in a car wreck tomorrow. You may get cancer in a year. I'm not guaranteeing he's going to make your life better. I am guaranteeing if you become a true believer, all eternal life will be better. And that may include some. It may be that Jesus decides for you to become a martyr and for you to be persecuted. If you go through a really rough next 40 years because you're pulled out of all kinds of rough stuff. So it's not the message is not Jesus wants to make your life better. Jesus died for your sins. And you've got to respond to that. And so... Um, Notice these people, they believe for a little while. That's hard for us, isn't it? We want to know, like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that they were saved at one time and they were not? Jesus makes it clear here. It, it, what's revealed as, as difficulties come, persecutions come, uh, all these things that happen, they hit their life, and they, they believed immediately and had great emotional um, change. But over time, it begins to reveal they were never really truly saved at all. That's what he reveals in this, in this section. They eventually, due to difficulties, they fall away. Um, he has no root. And again, American church, 65% who, who exited and during COVID found out that there's some pretty lakes around us. There's some pretty golf courses. I want to get back in shape. Um, I want a new wife. I want a new husband. Uh, I, we're just, it's just nice having all day Sunday or all Saturday night to, to just kind of do that. And oh, don't get me wrong. Don't, I mean, don't misunderstand. Me and God, like God's cool with it. God's all right. God's cool with it. We've got this understanding. So at the end, in Judgment Day, I'm just going to tell him. I'm just going to like, hey, man, you, know, you had some rough situations in my life, but you should have understood, like we're going to sit down and talk to him like man to man and treat him like a man. That's a God that we've created in our own image. That is not the biblical God at all. So what happens is unfaithful and unfruitful. And what's scary is that that's probably, um, like I've said before, it's about, I would say, in the Bible Belt, that one out of ten people in our city are believers. Maybe you know, um, one and a half out of ten. So think through that. One out of ten. Our beliefs. What does that look like in the West Coast, the Northwest, the Northeast? Al Mohler says, we're witnessing the evaporation of nominal Christianity, cultural Christianity, in just one generation. One generation time. So that, that's pretty incredible. Um, the third area, the, the thorns, the, the different type of heart. So that was um, 
um, those first two categories, and, and just be real clear, so for some, you, you may not know this, but for about 30 or 40 years, it was taught that, that only the first one, the hardened heart, or the hardened soil, was the, the, the one that was the non-believer. So for about 30 or 40 years in churches, they taught that the second level was uh, on the rocky ground, and then this third level, um, that, that both of those are believers. So just so you'll know that, that, that that's not probably what, uh, solid orthodoxy, but just know that for 30 or 40 years, people taught that only the first one, the hardened soil, was the one that was not a believer. The other three is nominal Christianity. And, and, and so we make room for nominal Christianity. We make room for that. And so no surprise, when, when you do that for 30, 40 years, you've got people who are willing to check out. So this last one is the, uh, the one of the, the, the last, um, where you're not a believer, is the thorns, uh, the divided heart. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and proves unfruitful. And when Jesus said this, he wasn't just saying there's only two categories. It's only people who um, have, uh, are deceived by, by riches um, or that the cares of the world. There's, there's a thousand different ways that, that it plays itself out. It's very broad. Um, we must notice the seed was being sown faithfully. It wasn't that the seed was bad or unable to bring change, but the heart is what's essential. Um, when I was growing up, I worked for one of my coaches. I started working in for, I think, before I was 15. And so um, what stunk about that was when we would have practice in the morning, like two a days, and so you'd have the early morning thing, and then you'd, we'd have come back at like four in the afternoon. So the early morning, it was still hard, but then the afternoon, it was super, super hot, and it's also hard, and you've already done that this morning. When my coach would be in practice, and I would see him kind of looking around for me afterwards, and I'd literally try to get my stuff and get my car and get gone. No cell phone, so he couldn't just call me. But when I saw him kind of making his way through, I'm like, hey, sink, sink. Because I worked for him. We had 60 yards that we took care of and mowed and all this stuff. And then any other horrible crap job that no one else wanted to do, like if you had some land and there was a barn that was built 70 years ago and no one's used it in 50 years and it's been falling down, snakes and spiders, and it it looks like a pit and it looks real dangerous, that's the kind of job that he would take for like $500. And so sometimes I would get in with him, he's like, hey, Sankey, you're not going to be happy with me today. And that that just meant like this is going to be a miserable, hot, just dangerous, bad, bad job. And so sure enough, it's two days, and I'm, I'm trying to avoid him, not make eye contact, and he just, Zank, hey, Zank, Zank, Zank. Man, I need you for the next three days. And I'm like, next three? Like, I don't want to go an hour with you to whatever this is. And we pull up at this lady's place, and they had a huge flower bed, about a third of their yard, this man and woman. And what they had done is they'd taken a weed eater. And if you've ever done a weed eater and you scald the ground, that means like you, you weed it down so low, it's just kind of the, the dirt that's left. You know, you've cut all the grass off. And they thought, hey, we're going to weed eat the flower bed. And so they weeded it all, and now it's just all dirt. And then they took and they brought brand new plants and all this stuff, expensive plants, and they put them on, and they're kind of rich. And so it was really, really nice plants. And then they took that black tarp and covered it and then started watering it. And so then after months and months, they come back like, man, all the plants died. Nothing lived. All these expensive plants. Like, what's going on? So as soon as we ripped that tarp up, Coach Rogers told them, he's like, how did you all clean out the bed? And they said, oh, we just weeded it. And so what was happening? All that Bermuda and all the weeds that were just right under the surface, they're under the surface of the dirt. They all just choked out every single plant. That, that, if, you've, if you ever dug up Bermuda grass, the white root underneath it, I mean, it, it's strong. It's, you have to go down six or seven inches and get all the root. So we spent the next three days on our hands and knees, just, just on, you know, it seemed like as big as this gym, down pulling out all, every piece of white root. 
it choked out the whole, what was supposed to be a beautiful flower bed. And Jesus is saying, hey, so even when it's sowed around this, that it, it, the weeds will come and choke it out. And so just some scary things that happen, even when, when the word is being um, taught faithfully. So the, the words there, uh, merimna, uh, the worries, the cares, the distractions of this world. So, so thinking through, how do other pursuits, other distractions tend to creep in and choke out the life-changing power of God's word? Um, the deceitfulness of wealth and riches, uh, apate, how... Why would it be the deceitfulness of riches that choke out the word? What message does the, the pursuit tell us? And so maybe it's just my time. If, if, I, if I make it to this kind of success, then finally I'll have the freedom of time that I've won, and now your pursuits have changed and your desires have changed, and you have no time left for the people of God, no time left for commitment to God, faithfulness to God. And so that word, um, nigo, is choke out, and that's what Jesus is saying. So I would challenge you to think through, are there things in your life that maybe are good gifts that God has brought in? This, I think, is the American church. We're not the persecuted church where we have nothing to do all week long except be persecuted and look for food, and then we can gather together to hear God's word. We have a thousand different great things to spend our time on, right? And so to be aware that he's very clearly speaking in our age, hey, don't let the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, uh, and, and a thousand other things. Good gifts come in and, and rip away and choke out what once was life-giving. And I think that's, that's clearly happening. So the final soil is the good soil. Notice the fruitful heart. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, and he indeed bears fruit, and then yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. And so in that, on the, on the, the yielding fruit, it, it's not like you're in control of how much you bear. So some guys, especially pastors and ministers, they, they want to, hey, well, I want to be in the 100 crowd. I don't want to be in the 30 or the 60. And so let me, listen. it's all about my ability. That, that's not what he's saying there at all. It's a faithfulness on God's part. And it's a faithfulness for the, for the people that are responding, but you, you shouldn't go trying to um, just create fruit on your own. It's, it's an aspect of you being faithful to what God's called you to do. He's the one that's going to use that. So you've got some people that just their, their life, and I'm not talking about just pastors or church leaders. I'm talking about the congregation. What's the fruit going on in your life? Is, is there any fruit in your life? Is there pictures of faithfulness in your life? Um, that's what he's getting to there. Um, and, and it was sown on good soil. You don't want to confuse that to mean that there are some people who have just good hearts, so that's not taken away from the depravity of man. That is not taken away from uh, Romans 3 and Romans 10, that there's no one who has a, a good in them that would be merit, meritous of salvation. That there's some people who are just a little smarter or a little bit better, um, and so it's not taking away. He's not meaning that. He's saying what he means by good heart there is you're humbled and you're open, and it's a posture of receiving receiving instead of rejecting. And so some of you in your self-righteousness are just rejecting is what he's telling the crowd. Some of you in your distractedness, and you're just like, yeah, Jesus is cool and fun, but, but we're rejecting the message because I don't want to surrender to that. He's saying with, with the person who's coming with this um, humble heart wanting to receive, that, that God's doing that work in them. And so, so pay attention. Listen, don't harden your heart. So I would ask you in closing there, where... Has your heart been? Like, uh, kind of like Google tracking, um, God, God's omniscient mind is recording where your heart keeps straying for pleasure. 
it's, it's like a tracker could show you where your heart and your mind goes. And that's not when you're just being tempted. That's when the temptation comes and then you follow it. So what is it for you? Um, where is your heart rejecting this gospel seed? What things keep your heart desiring those things? Remember, the main point is the seed and the soil. So as we come back to look at that, what I want you to walk away with is the seed and the soil. As you're thinking through, the, you know, going in the next week or two, next month or two, just thinking through what Jesus wanted to get across there. That is, are you considering the seed? What is the seed doing in your life today? How is the soil in your life today? Um, so as we're going to get to the end of this, um, um, I want you to take some time just to pray through that. As Brad comes up, we're going to do a song of response, and uh, then we'll go into the Lord's Supper after that. But I just want you to take some time and think that where is um, the seed working in my life? Is the seed working, the gospel seed? Is God's word something that I'm, I'm interacting with? Meaning not just having quiet times, if you do that, but are you taking some time to give, give a few minutes for the Spirit to do some work? Are you giving some time of response? Um, not only in the church service, but are you through the week, having those times we talked about, um, having a, a time of Sabbath rest, of responding? Um, also, where is your heart at? Is your heart um, at a place where it's tender? And so the beauty of all this is, just like with, with, with his original crowd, Jesus is making the offering, the invitation, and he's saying, come to me in that. I understand where your heart's at. And so if you're going like, man, I just keep on blowing it, keep on blowing it. To, to us today, he's saying, hey, listen, I'm here today through the Spirit to say, come to me. Don't, 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 don't miss coming to me and surrendering to me and then try to, hey, on Monday, I'm going to have a longer quiet time and get my life straightened up. And then next Sunday, I'll... No, he's saying, right now I'm offering you the forgiveness, the reconciliation, the peace, the love. Come to me in that. Trust in me. Rest in me in that. So let me pray as Brad comes. Father, we thank you for um, the beauty of you coming to a people with hardened hearts, with shallow hearts, with divided hearts, even as we've learned about Christ and even as we've been believers. We thank you that you still offer ongoing grace. We admit that we are desperate for you, Jesus, even as many days as we've been saved. We are still as desperate for you as we were the day that we were lost. So we thank you that you offer us this word, this seed, and we thank you that you want us to consider where our hearts are at. And so we do that right now, giving some time to respond to you. And we ask for you to work in us now. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.